Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1826. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Clarksburg, Maryland. The monkeys come to mind, the last train to Clarksville, with a very special guest, a very creative guest by the name of Alan Bentley. Alan, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, I am. All right, we'll have some fun here. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that most people may not know about you, Alan? All right. I've, I love Star Wars, and I saw it in the theater when I was five years old, and I've loved the thing ever since. Plus, I'm a painter who paints d- dancers, but I don't dance. I'm a painter who paints race cars, but I'm not a race car. So, um, you know, it works out. Yeah, I think it's very cool. Well, I came across you thanks to uh, your uh, lovely helper there. I believe she sent me out a promo, Nicole, and I went, oh, how come I don't know about this guy? Well, apparently you've kind of transitioned from being a dancer painter to a racer Mm -hmm. painter, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, but allow me to give you a proper introduction first, and we're going to dive into this transition that you've made into the automotive world that all of us here at Cars Yeah! love. Alan Bentley is an artist who, for the past decade, dedicated his art to creating ballroom dancers on canvas and paper, but now he has switched gears excuse the pun, into vintage automobiles. While nothing seems to connect these two objects, Alan found that he calls the through line or motion is what brought this all together. He has always had an enduring interest in capturing motion and now his car series titled Momentum. He carries, or I should say he marries that interest and his love for driving into a beautiful compendium of speed and exhilaration. In Momentum, he's not creating what drivers look like, but what they feel like, and he's hoping that fervor resonates with his audience. He was born and raised in North Carolina. He earned his bachelor's degree at Western Carolina University in fine art and went on to get a master's degree in fine art with a concentration in painting at the University of Pennsylvania. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor, so give him a little listen, give him a little love, and we'll be back to talk about cars and painting and maybe dancing and maybe some water stuff too. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. The best way to protect and preserve your vehicles along with the meanings and memories and experience that they give you is with a quality made custom fit car cover from my friends at Covercraft. I purchased my first Covercraft cover from my 1967 Gia way back when I was in high school in 1975. At Covercraft.com you'll find a multitude of indoor options including form fit, fleece satin and their very unique view shield that's right you can see your car right through the cover but it's the sun that you really need to worry about quality outdoor options include weather shield hd and hp sunbrella reflect carhartt evolution and noah covercraft protects cars trucks motorcycles rvs trailers 
and watercraft too. Your cover is custom tailored for your special vehicles and manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. And I've got a great deal for you. If you use the code yeah 21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off compliments of cars. Yeah, that's right. 10% off. Simply use the code yeah 21 yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. All right, Alan, we are back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner. I'd love for you to talk more about this transition you went from dancing. You also do a series called Water Series, which is so fluid and so full of motion. When I look at it, I get wet. And uh, (laughs) maybe that sounds a little weird, but if you go and look at these paintings, you'll see you feel like you're immersed in this motion of the dancers and in the water and the fluid nature. And now you're doing cars, which is why you're on cars. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about this transition, your work, and then we'll dive a little deeper into your life as well. That's perfect. Yeah. So I've been painting dancers for a very long time. And as I said up front, I don't d- dance, but I have always been drawn towards the motion of things and also the connection between people. So my dance paintings, they're not necessarily how they look to dance because they're not static things. They're more about the swirling feel and this kind of energy about the whole thing. So I painted that for 20 years and along the way i kept being asked if i'm a dancer do i love dancing and no i i'm not a dancer and so i decided to change it all up and i took my models and i threw them in the pool and i photographed them there where i could tell my stories of the connection between the couple without the performance aspect of dance so wait a minute. Yeah. You took your dancers, your models for your paintings and threw them in a you literally threw them in a pool. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it sounds bad, but yeah. So No, it no, sounds sounds wonderful actually. With, with working with the dancers like I can't paint from from live models. I, I was always trained in 
that and it's always the preferred thing except like they can't hold the poses that i'm going for so i I bring lights and ladders and costumes and i go through the whole thing and i photograph like thousands of shots to make my images so then when it came time to switch over to the water it became a rented pool hired models photographers assistants big special lighting and like a summer of training of how long can I stay under water? Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole game. And it, I love the production that goes into the whole thing. I've never been, let me do it the simple way p- painter. And so by going underwater, all of a sudden, like all the rules I had set up were gone. Like gravity's gone. Cast shadows are gone. So it just becomes about the figures, the relationship and the fluid connections. Then I, I've been really wanting to, to, to break out of it all because I've been painting figures for my whole time. And I wanted some other way to talk about speed. And with me, like I have a real love of cars because for me, they feel like freedom because of my first association I had with being able to drive. And I'll talk more on that in a minute. But so for me, the idea of getting to paint the way I feel when I drive was really exciting. So then I started to explore, well, what kind of cars best capture that like complete wild abandon, that freedom and just living through those moments. And so I started with the the, the, the old vintage indie cars and those types to really play with like, they're like test pilots. I mean, they're just these you and the, the world and go. And so to make that transition, I didn't have to change my entire visual language to paint the cars because in a lot of ways, they're not that separate. I paint them how I paint and it's about controlling the viewer's focus, making them feel like they're at speed, making the whole thing feel like it's really pushed through space. Because of this fun game of, of uh, moving paint around, moving space around. Yeah, I love the way you describe that. I think a lot of us, almost everybody you talk to loves the idea of being underwater. And that's why underwater photography video is so cool. We're so free. I grew up a surfer, a skin diver, a spear fisher. I grew up on the beach in the ocean and being in water is so natural for me. But I think it may go back to this primordial or even when we're in the uh, mom's belly, you know, and we're in this fluid and we're moving around. And remember my mom said that when she was pregnant with me, right before I was born, she got on a ship in Japan and came back to the U.S. So she was on a ship for two weeks. And she said, during that two weeks, I stopped moving. She thought I was dead. She kept going to the ship's doctor every day saying, why is he moving? And the doctor said, because uh-huh. we're moving. The whole ship is moving, <laughs> you know, and maybe he's uh, seasick. Who knows, you know, but she she freaked out. But I think that's why we love that. And that's what I love about your artwork, Alan, is it shows motion. Even your dancing, which I typically wouldn't hang dancers on my walls because it's just not what I'm into. I'm in a car. Right. So, but yeah. the fluidness of it. And when I first looked at your dancing series and then I saw that your water series, and I went, oh, okay. I, but I didn't realize you actually threw people in a pool. I think that's <laughs> cool. So the transition to cars, I think, is pretty pretty neat. Now, I understand you mentioned in our pre-show chat, you also teach. Do you teach yes. painting? Okay. Well, I teach drawing and figure drawing in college here. Okay. Okay, cool. Awesome. So now when you're teaching, this is getting off track a little bit, but I find it a little bit fascinating. When you're teaching someone how to paint motion, mm-hmm. what are some things that you 
say to them, because I'm, I'm going back to my, my days in college because I studied graphic design advertising. And so I took a lot of drawing and painting classes, not my forte, but I took them. What are some things that you teach your students to get them into the idea of how to perce- not perceive, but show motion sure. on a canvas? Sure. Well, a big part of that comes down to, to, to your initial sketch, the gesture, where you're drawing or painting through the basic quick summary of what the person is doing, where the thing is going. Like it's this implied line that's not just the cookie cutter shape of they are contained in this box, like contained in the shape of a person. Or a or photographic sh- capture of somebody. Right, yeah. right. That we're not going for realism here. We're going for how it feels. So if you gesture through that, then start to build and keep this idea of it doesn't have to fit inside a box because the problem the problem is that we're trained on photographs. It's, it's got to look like a photograph. And also we're trained on coloring books about staying in the lines and the precision of the whole thing. But if you're truly exploring it, then you can paint anything. Yeah, I remember my father taught my sister and I to draw and paint and when my kids were real little, he really loved it. And I'll never forget watching him once with my daughter uh, with a book. And mm-hmm. it was a coloring book. And he said, you don't have to color in the lines. And she looked at him and said, now I was, I'm the one saying color in the lines. He's saying, you don't have to do that. So she, she kind of makes this mark that goes outside the line. She looks at him like, is this okay? And he goes, yeah, keep going. And then she said, keep going. He goes, yeah, how about writing on the edge of the paper? And then... On the outside of the book. And he goes, how about the walls? And I looked at him and he goes, well, maybe not the walls. But <laughs> but he was, pre- awesome. he was, pre- yeah, it was, when I look back now, I, I have a big smile on my face because I lost my dad not that long ago. And I, I think back to those moments of me, the rigid one, my dad, the loose one and the difference there. But I, I think it's fantastic. And I'll make sure you listeners, uh, I'll put links to Alan's website. You can go and see both the dancing, the water and the new car series, the automotive series, Momentum uh, on his website. I think you're going to love all of of them. Now, Alan, I always ask my guests about a driving inspiration, somebody in your life that was very influential in your life, someone that helped support you, a mentor perhaps. Who was that in your life and, and how did that person help you move into a career as an artist? I gotcha. My biggest influence when I was starting off in school was my mentor, Robert Godfrey. He was the head of the, the department um, there in my college and he was this fireball, like he's a fireball of a man. And he his philosophy on teaching, I think, is that if he didn't make somebody cry, then he wasn't doing his job. <laughs> he was one of those types. Yeah, I had a few um, of those professors. I, I, and I cried plenty. But um, but he had this, the, this theory about painting. He called it power painting, where he taught us that the quality is not as important as the quantity. So keep making, keep making tons and tons of stuff. And eventually you'll find out what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. So instead of worrying about the one sacred piece, you're doing 20. And the the guy, he would catch you in the hall and he would say, have 50 drawings on my desk by Monday. Day. Oh. <laughs> and it's day. And I'm like, but, 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 but I'm not even taking your class. But it didn't matter. <laughs> the head of the program. Then you, you stop by the studio and you tell your 
friends about the, the assignment and everybody clears out because nobody wants to, to, to be told that. But also here with Godfrey, there was a time in my freshman year drawing class. He took us outside to the, the, the baseball practice field field and we're up on the small hill behind third and there's a practice game and we're the only people pulled there and my whole class and we all have our sketch pads in hand and pencil and there's a crack of the bat the the runner's gone and godfrey is screaming get him get him get him get him get him get him and the players like look for like that they have one weird fan but he's screaming <laughs> at us to draw the guy running so they end up looking like these like cookie cutter people in poses like they're running and he'd yell at us no that's not what you saw and so he did this for the whole game yeah. like the whole class were out there and he's yelling at us and then i got mad and i grabbed my book and i made this like quick l- l- little scribble that was just like this, this very angry aggressive scribble yeah there you go hurricane and godfrey scooped it right up put it in front of every one of my peers and said bentley knows what he's doing and then, which wasn't then my peers didn't like me at all. Yeah, no, you, you were the you were the favorite all of a sudden. I know, and he did that three more times during that lesson. But that idea of drawing what you feel of it instead of what you think you see of it, yeah. I'm still doing that, and that and that that was a long time ago. You know what remind you reminded me of here is an art class and studying Marcel Duchamp. New Descending a Staircase. Sure. And when you look at that painting, most people maybe aren't, haven't studied art, look at that and go, what the hell is going on? What, what was that yep. kind of drugs was that guy on? <laughs> what was he <laughs> drinking? But when you look at that, that's what comes to mind is that runner running is that motion yeah. of a series of things kind of coming down. You listeners that maybe don't follow a lot of art, yeah, it, it's a Cubist period, uh, Cubo-Futurism, I think it was called, something yeah, like that. So, yeah, so um, go and check out that painting because then you get an idea of what Alan and I are talking about a little bit here. A uh, runner descending the bases, we'll, we'll say that, <laughs> or something like that. How would you advise young people or an old person changing career to get into the field of art? Because I've interviewed hundreds of artists. Art is a tough field to make a living in. It's a tough field to be accepted in. But mm-hmm. it's something that artists have to do because it's so rewarding. So how would you advise others? Oh, it's tough. But I mean, so much of it is if you feel like you have to do it, that's your guide. If you can kind of pick it up or take or leave it, then that's maybe not it. Because it, it takes a lot of of hard knocks in the whole thing but so much of it really is just put in the time and do the training there are so many places to to, to get training and i'm i'm one of those people i mean part of it is because i teach college but i believe in being trained and doing the, the study and whatever like whatever the study is it all helps there are community colleges or there are classes and and art centers and all that 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 you can play around in Mm -hmm. and then figure out if it's important to you that way but if you if you must make things then by all means go make things Right. Go do it. Yeah. I was part of a mastermind class a few weeks ago and it had to do with creating online businesses. And one of the person said, I'm just not very good at 
it's speaking to people. I'm shy and I don't say my words properly. And somebody in the class said, well, how long have you been practicing this? And they said, well, never. Well, how do you expect to be any good at it? Then? <laughs> I mean, do you think Beethoven? Well, maybe Beethoven. Hit, maybe hit maybe that one. Yeah, maybe that's a bad excuse. But I mean, even if you <laughs> listen to great rock guitarists and so forth, they practice, they practice, they practice. So artwork is the same way. And I always encourage people. My dad taught artwork to people who had terminally ill diseases. And most oh, wow. of his students never had any art background. And they always said, I can't draw, I can't paint. And he'd say, rubbish. Everybody can draw and paint. You just have to practice at it. And they say, well, I'm going to die in two months. I have cancer. Well, then we better get to work. That was his, those were his words, you know? That's beautiful. Yeah, it was really beautiful what he did. Let's take a short break. We come back. I'm going to talk about the challenge question I always like to ask everybody. So keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett Jackson auctions is contagious and a unique experience is not to be missed. And coming soon, something new for you Cars Yeah listeners. I'll be teaming up with Craig Jackson on the first ever Barrett Jackson podcast coming to your mobile devices every week. Listen here on Cars Yeah and check out the Barrett-Jackson website for unique details on this new exciting podcast that I'm very proud to be a part of. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. I'm honored to say that my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah is Tech Force Foundation. They help young people find an education and career that aligns with their passions. For those who love cars problem-solving, and working with their hands, a career as a professional automotive technician is the perfect fit for a fulfilling life. We're all wired differently, and not every successful career demands a four-year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn more about how you can support tomorrow's driving force and workforce of technicians at techforce.org like I do here at Cars Yeah. Okay, Alan, we're back. I want to talk about a big challenge, big failure, big obstacle, some wall you hit somewhere in your life, something that you've had to overcome. But most importantly, what did this situation teach you so you could move forward in a positive way in your career, your business, or your life? I gotcha. So it would be so simple to talk about some painting problem or business problem problem but but i'm gonna go more personal here and because because i stutter and i've stuttered my whole life so that's been this constant thing to have to kind of overcome or work through because because i do teach and getting jobs is always tough 
trying to promote my work when phone calls are a struggle. It's a constant thing. So thing is, I that's also a thing that I practice. So I've been a member of Toastmasters for a while. That's a public speaking group. And giving speeches and putting myself there in the, in the line of fire is a really great way to deal with that head on and learn to just keep putting myself in situations where I've got to go through it because right. the stuttering won't magically, magically stop. There are times through focus and all that I can quiet it down, but, but it's a constant struggle. And the thing I've learned from it is not backing down and kind of working through, like, I'm going to have this struggle. So I can either hide or just keep going. Right. So I don't hide. You know, it's awesome. We spoke a little bit before we started this show. I'll tell you listeners and Alan said, look, you know, I have a stuttering challenge. Um, don't try to put words in my mouth. Let me work <laughs> through it. And I smiled at that because I've had, and I've talked to lots of people, obviously, and some have some stuttering issues. And I think we as human beings want to help. So we all, we want to jump in and help, but it's like a little kid. If you jump in and tie a little kid's shoes, every time they have a struggle with it, they'll never learn how to tie their shoes. And eventually you'll have a teenager saying, tie my shoes. You'll go, <laughs> what the hell happened? <laughs> how did What's wrong that, with you? What's wrong with you? Well, it's your fault, mom. You never let me learn how to tie my shoes. So I really appreciate that. It, you know, I find it really, and brave might be the wrong word because you've been dealing with this your whole life. But I find it very brave because a lot of people, when they have an issue, whether they think they look weird or a speech challenge, whatever it might be, or they're not very good at something, they do tend to shy away from it. But I've heard this over and over. When you step out of that comfort zone into the danger zone, that's when great things happen. It's like with art. It's like with racing. Right. Uh, life, business. That's when the good things happen. They're not very comfortable for a while. It's like trying to lose weight. Not very fun at first. <laughs> but then when you go, well, look, I knocked off five pounds. I feel a little better. Oh, okay. That challenge was worth it. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing that. And obviously your lesson for anyone listening who is dealing with stuttering is exactly that, right? I love the way you said it. Put yourself in the line of fire. Yeah, just keep going because it does. It doesn't get. It doesn't go away. And how sad is it if you spend your whole life not saying the things that you need to say? So just say them. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about a bucket list. Something in your sure. life that you're looking forward to. As an artist, artists are always evolving. They're growing, and I love the fact that you've evolved into cars now because that's what we're all about here. Cars, yeah, that's what's hanging on my walls around my house. What What's the next level? I know you haven't been painting cars for that long, race cars, but how do you see this growing in your repertoire of creativeness? <laughs> well, that's kind of the the, the fun thing that this body of work is giving me permission to do is paint whatever I feel like painting. That feels like freedom. Yeah. Because when I started painting the, the dancers, I didn't think it'd be 20 years. <laughs> That's a lot of dancers. Um, it is. It's a lot. And I still love them and I will do them like as needed. I still have a lot of clients who call and they want to have a painting made. And I'm like, yes, 
no problem at all. But with this now, I feel like I can be truly as open and as experimental as I want with what I'm painting. That's quite exciting. And I have a few other lines already figured out that I don't want to get into quite yet. But um, I do want to have a... I haven't had a solo show with the cars yet, and, and that's important because that b- becomes a w- way to showcase the, the entire body at one time in a gallery to mark that as an event. So I have that planned. But one important part of the the, the cars body of w- w- work is I'm really excited about finding a collection of cars where the collector and I can just go through and play because I photograph cars to build my images. And I want to be able to get the angles that I want and the lines I'm looking for and get to play with the the cars in, in terms of the lights, the, the, the angles, hearing them, seeing the, the motion, just get to really explore it. Having the collector become a client is another great part of it, but just getting to, to play sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I would offer you this suggestion. Being someone who used to race vintage cars, and I've been to lots of events, is go to vintage racing events because vintage racing events are uh, not professional, meaning you can get into the paddock, you can get close to the cars. If you Mm. can convince that organization to give you a media pass, a photography pass, you can get out Mm. on the track and you can get... And they should be able to do that for you. Most of them would. And you can shoot the cars in motion. You can walk around the paddock. You can get down low around the cars, even get into the cars. That's where I would go if I were you to get up close and personal. And there's lots of great events all over the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can go offline or you can reach out to me or uh, uh, have your assistant there reach out to me and I can give you some guidance there. Because now that things are freeing up a little bit, these racing events are coming back online uh, there's some big ones that are coming along that are really, really cool. And that's that's the way I would do it if I were you. And there's lots of them to do. Uh, excuses to go travel and get out <laughs> and be a little free again. Yay. Oh, my gosh. So let's talk a little bit about a special vehicle. Is there a special vehicle in your life that brings back great memories? And what would that be? Yeah, my first car, my first car was... Um, it was a boat. I mean, your car. No, wait a minute. Are we back to the water? It was literally a boat. <laughs> no, no. It was a. It was a car. It had okay. four wheels. But okay, it was a late seventies Plymouth Fury. It okay. was like <laughs> as long as four or five cars. Yeah. Let's be quite honest here. Yeah. But um, and it had way too much power for what what a young driver sh- sh- should have. Yeah. But this was my car, and I loved that thing simply because I had been taken every place i'd ever gone and um, i mean i'm not gonna say like over protective parents but i had fairly over protective parents and so suddenly i had a car and my first day driving the car by myself i was told to take my sister to charlotte to school that was like an hour drive and take her to to school and pick her up at the, the the end of her day we weren't like when i was being taught how to drive i wasn't allowed to drive anywhere at all and then my first day i've got my license go i'm like uh, done wow done so i spent the entire day driving 
Yeah. I, I dro- dropped her off and I just kept going because <laughs> I'd never had the ability to choose where I went. I was completely autonomous. And I, that's one of my best days I've ever had was just this, my first real taste of freedom. And it was in this uh, crazy hyped up gigantic boat of a car that I love dearly. I think of the Plymouth Fury hood comes to mind. Long hood. Way, long hood. way out there. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, you know, that, that freedom that we get. And, and now yours was a late 70s? Yeah. Now, too bad it was an early 70s because that's when those things were pretty cool. I mean, I know. Yeah, but that's okay. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a cool one. It was not a cool one. It was really kind of awful. But I still loved my car. It was the boat um, version. <laughs> it was, but but that's the kind of car. Like the car ran its smoothest at like at around eighty miles an hour. Sure. Then it just the size of it made sense. Yeah, you know, then it was just gliding. So I got in a lot of trouble. With yeah. my car. Great, great fuel <laughs> mileage on those old things too, I'm sure, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. And of course, in that period of time, we just come through the fuel crisis, which I remember right when I got my license, you couldn't even go get gas. So it's like, yeah, what is this awesome. some kind of cruel joke they're playing on me here? So this is terrible. <laughs> so yeah, uh, luckily we had two cars and they had, I think it was evens and odds. So the odds would go one day, the evens would go another day. So I could jump the cars back and forth and oh, siphon nice. gas out and put it into my car. So yeah, my parents' car, they had an Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser was one of their giant boat cars. So very Got cool. It. Okay, I'm going to get in your head. This is a bit of a creative, oh, I like to say a bit of a, I don't know how I would say this. It, anyway, it's a, it's a unique question. Probably nobody's asked you. If you were manifest as a vehicle, this isn't what you want to be. This is your personality as a vehicle. What would you be? But more important part of the question is why? All right. So, all right. I would love to say that I'm some sleek Italian thing. I would love that. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. We all want to be that. <laughs> I know, but that's not going to happen. No, I think I'm a beat up old old Ford F-150. Ah, a pickup truck. Yeah, I'm a truck. And not even a new one. Like I'm like in 80s where it was just a box. Yeah. Because the utility of that, the, that mm-hmm. like it's the dependable... It's going to get it done. Not flashy. Rides fairly well, but it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of guests that are Ford F-150 pickup trucks. Really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I really have. Very reliable. Just gets the job done. You know, that or maybe Volvo, like the old Volvo uh, station wagons, you know? Yeah, get that. Dependable, boring, boxy, but we get it done. (laughs) We, You know, we take the family around. And you you think about one of the most prolific vehicles in the United States is the Ford F-150 pickup. Yeah. Been around forever. I mean, incredible. So that makes sense. Yeah. But Deeper down inside, Muslik Italian thing. Like right, right, right inside. There's the F one fifty shell, but right inside, I'm dreaming on that sleek Italian thing. Okay, well here I, I got one for you. This is what All I'm right. gonna I'm gonna transpose you here. Ferrari oh. in their racing days made a vehicle called the bread. I think it was called the bread van. And go look this up. If you Google right. Ferrari two fifty GT bread van you will see some delightful images of a very unique, some people call it very odd and ugly, but it's basically the front end of a 250 GT, which is probably the most 
sought after classic vintage car in the world, most expensive car in the world. Mm. But in the back, they did this very bizarre box thing that looks like a place for you to cook some Italian pizzas or something. <laughs> so, so maybe just today we're going to go for the bread van. How does that sound? Okay. You just found my my hybrid. That's great. Yeah, there you go. I love it. I, you're welcome. I always ask my guests because all great people have figured out the secret sauce to life and that's helping others. Uh, you're a teacher. Couldn't yeah. be any more noble thing for people to do. Is that how you like to give back and help people in the automotive and in art world? That's my biggest thing. Yeah. Because I mean, my teaching doesn't like, it's not, you don't teach because of the, the pay you teach because it's important. So there's that. And also I'm the chair of a scholarship at my grad school, the university of Pennsylvania. My, my best friend, Chris, he died several years ago in a motorcycle crash. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks. And um, there's a scholarship that there in his honor, and a few of us um, who are close to him are on that committee, and I'm the, the chair of it. And that thing has grown to be one, if not the highest award that the graduate art school gives. So each year, we choose a student to award quite a lot of money to and what's great is this like students will use that to help them complete their final semester to grad school or one student kept all of it to get a studio when she was through and the money paid for her to fund her studio for the year after to grad school because that year out of school is such a pivotal transition and she had hers paid for wow and the whole the thing is, is honoring my best friend. So yeah. it works out so well. Well, I'll remind listeners out there, you know, it is, we're coming in there, we're, we're already into motorcycle season. And, and for all of us drivers out there, me included, eyes up, pay attention. Yeah. There, there's guys on bikes out there. I used to ride bikes. And every time I rode, somebody tried to kill me. And uh, they didn't try to, but they nearly did. It feels, like, it feels like that. It feels like they're out to get you. Please pay attention. Keep your eyes up because uh, off the phones, off the radios, and, and pay attention. A lot of guys on bikes and gals, uh, you don't want to hit anybody. You don't want to change anyone's life, uh, theirs or yours. So keep your eyes up. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've recently read you'd like to share? Yeah, and it ties in so well with the bike thing. Long way round. Have you heard of it? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's this the documentary um, series that Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman did, where they rode around the world on BMWs. But I've watched the. I've watched all the shows and I've read the books because the books go into the details behind everything even more. And I just, I love the adventure of the whole thing. And I love how it is just kind of you and your your, your friend and the, the, the world, you know, you know, it's just you just... You're on this adventure to feel everything, to yeah. see everything, to that's awesome. 
Yeah, love that. I love that series. After watching that, I went, man, my life's boring. I got to go do something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, really cool. And what better way to do it on BMWs? Those bikes are just the way to go. So uh, I'll put links to this on Alan's show notes page so you can find this if you haven't already seen it. And the books, too. They're both great. Uh, there's a great place on the Cars Show website called Guest Recommended Books, where these mm. will be listed along with over 2,000 incredible books by my inspiring automotive enthusiasts with quick, easy clicks to buy. We'll take one more short break. We come back. We're going to go with you, Alan, on the ultimate drive. So (laughs) sit tight. We'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And don't forget why you're there to use the code CARSHAT and you'll get $10 off. Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. All right, Alan, we're back. We're going to go on at the ultimate drive. You get to pick the vehicle. You get to pick a person you're with. This could be somebody living or deceased. And I want you to share, like, what are you in? Who's going to be driving? And where are you going? What are you doing? What are you talking about? So let's go on the ultimate drive. All right. So here's a, here's the great thing about my ultimate drive is I've done it and I kind of want to, to do it again. Cool. So my buddy, Chris, who's long gone now, he was coming back f- from a trip. Um, he was in his friend's borrowed car and he, I found out later he was supposed to have taken that car straight back to our friend's house and not drive it around. That's not what Chris did. Chris called me and he said, do you want to have more fun than you've ever had in your whole life? Uh I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And he said, meet me outside in five. And we were in Philadelphia there at the time and Mm -hmm. Chris pulled up it's late at night now our friend had oh I don't remember the actual specs on it but it was a Subaru rally car this thing was like built for turns and it was a high performance thing it was amazing probably a WRX or something like that yeah it was gorgeous I understand why he was supposed to take it straight home (laughs) but we jumped in that thing and it was like that bit in um Boy, I hope my friend never hears this. Um, <laughs> it was like that bit in Ferris Bueller's where they, the, 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 the parking <laughs> lot attendants take off. We were the, the parking lot attendants. And we went down by the docks and just were cornering around everything. And it was wonderful. And the whole time, the conversation stayed about like the car, like turning radius the car and just really dialing this again. Th- th- it was so much fun to play with somebody else's t- toy, for one thing. And then... uh. We stayed out a long time and then finally filled the car up and put it where it, we should have done a long time ago and walked home saying, we'll never tell him. We'll never tell him. He'll never know. Yeah. Well, until now he knows. 
But see, I want to make this clear. Chris didn't tell me he wasn't supposed to drive it until after <laughs> we parked it. So you're not. So you can't me, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Well, listen, Mike, here's what I have for you. Go back to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that scene <laughs> where those two guys get in the car and this is what they say. Don't worry, we're professionals. <laughs> Right? That was Chris and Alan. They were professionals. We're professional, not drivers. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Great story. I love it. And you didn't hurt the car, so no harm, no foul. Yeah, if it ended up in the drink or a wall, that would be a different story. (laughs) Very different story that I would not be telling. No, probably not. Well, listen, you've taken me on a wonderful ride today, Alan. It's been a delight talking with you. I want you to leave us with maybe one little success quote mantra or some words of wisdom that might enlighten and inspire the listeners today before we say goodbye sure yeah i've talked about on here already but it really is about doing the work whatever that is that makes you you better this right here this is your 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 shot so be the best you you can be this is doing the work you know what? It's so true. You just got to do the work and whatever it is you're doing out there, Cars Yeah listeners, just do the work. Uh, sometimes it takes a long time. Getting to talk to 1,826 inspiring <laughs> automotive enthusiasts has taken a long time. Uh, just, just, Yeah, just do the work. Every day I get up and I do the work. And some days you go, why am I doing this? And other <laughs> days you, you have, and then I have a great talk with somebody like Alan or any of my other guests and I go, that's why I'm doing this. And uh, no doubt we've inspired you listeners today quite a bit. What's the best way for people to learn more about your work and seeing your work? Sure. Well, my website is alanbentleystudio.com plus on social media like Instagram and Twitter and the LinkedIn. You can find me at Alan Bentley. I'll make sure I put links to all these on Alan's show notes page so you can check it out. I encourage you to go and check out the website and, and Instagram and see the work that he's doing. I think it's going to excite you as much as it has excited me. And that's why I brought him to you today. And a nice shout out to uh, your assistant, Nicole Zeloff. Am I saying that right? Zeloff? Yes. Yes. Uh, great name uh, for introducing me to Alan. Nicole, you're doing your job. So uh, ask Alan for a raise. There you go. There you go. Everybody, uh, again, check out this artwork. I think you'll love it. A couple other quick facts here. Alan does take commissions. So if you want him to paint your race car or whatever else you might want him to do, check it out. You can go to his website and find him there to do a commission. Also, he will be at the Chesapeake Bay Motoring Festival on June 5th through the 6th at Kent Island Yacht Club in Maryland. So if you want to go meet him and see his work in person, I encourage you to do that. And he does an official exclusive Artist Talk Zoom event, which is really fun. Next one's going to be June 17th from 78 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So go to his website to sign up for that. It'll be great fun. Alan, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing the world that you create for all of us who love automobiles and arts. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Hey, it's been my pleasure. This has been a lot of fun for sure. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.